0: All right. This is really exciting a moment for me doing this podcast interview with you, Lance Courtney. It's so cool. I had you just speak in our school and you spoke to our salon teams in Michigan and you were so good. I have to honestly tell you, you were one of the very best speakers I've ever heard. In fact, after you got done speaking, I thought, man, I wish this was going to continue on for a few more days because it was so powerful and so jam-packed. I was just going through my Notes again, and I want to expand on some of the things today. But before I do that, I want to introduce Lance. I went to your Instagram actually, and I love how you wrote out your bio. And I'm always curious because Instagram you only have what
1: like a few lines you can do a bio, so you always yeah, it's very limited. You have to yeah, you have to be somewhat economical with your descriptions, right?
0: They <laughs> don't let you put yeah. much. And I thought it was interesting that first you put public speaker you have certified dream coach and i want to i want to you know get dig into that a little bit international trainer i definitely want to dig into that writer. My favorite thing is that you put joy from playing music. Wow. Okay. And then I was cracking up because it says your bills are paid by traveling, speaking, and writing. This is called the B series, B-E series, meaning um, untold stories of leadership transformation. So things that people may have never heard, or maybe you've never
1: thought about some of these things. I love it that I I only knew that now. So, uh, and I love it I love things that are unscripted and somewhat unprepared because you, you just, you get what you get in the moment, which is fantastic. And I think that's a lot like life because you're given a compass, not a map. Anybody tries to sell you a map is usually selling oil. So, uh, but thanks. Okay, this is good. So I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm in sign me up
0: i love it i know we're gonna have a lot of fun with this and i can tell you right now people that are listening right now are going to be saying man i want whatever he is on because you are so full of so much joy and so much energy like i always say about when play ball that you make coffee nervous and i feel that about yeah. you too and that's i know why we connect so well in our salons use um all of your products that you have and i I have to say it's really because of the service you give us of course your product is absolutely incredible but the service that you give us and the experience and who you are and this you know of course this is called the b series because lance what i've noticed is that most people become human doings and forget that they're actually human beings absolutely yeah and the problem is is that Um, You can't continue to do, 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 because you're going to do, do all over yourself, right? So you have to focus on being. And so what do you need to become to get to what you want to have? There's no way you would be traveling this many miles if you weren't working on becoming. And I know you, and I've heard you speak, so I know you work on a lot of really incredible things. I love it that you're one of 600 certified dream coaches in the world. I want to talk about that and then you a vice president and managing partner of Easy Hair Pro. And if you don't have a great extension company right now, you have to hire this company because I can tell you hands down, it's the best. My daughter is very picky with what she uses and it's the only company that she will use and she talks about it uh, so, so, so well. And you're the creator and facilitator of Top Gun Front Desk. You've changed a lot of our systems. It's an area that we've really been lacking in our salon teams as well as our school teams. Um, and you're the industry's first ever fully interactive front desk training webinar. I thought that was really, really interesting. And of course you have two daughters and they're both yeah. at university, they're 20, they're twins. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> yes,
1: that's, that's at least a the rumor. They were born at the same time and came from the same place. I guess I hope that makes them twins. <laughs> Yeah, and they're at the university, which means they gotta sell a lot of hair. <laughs> but yeah, I you know I think what you mentioned was was really key because it's not just the product, you know, it's everything that comes along with it. I made a commitment to myself and to this organization as well as the industry when I came on board Easy Hair Pro back in 2013. And uh, before that, I was doing some consulting with them. And I, I, my commitment was I didn't want to come on board and, you know, help run another product company. Uh, I wasn't about selling widgets. And so I always say that we don't, you know, and people compliment our product a lot. That's why you'll never see world's best, blah, blah, blah. We let our, our customers really brag about the product. But I always say we don't sell a product. We empower a process. And I think that's the big difference between a lot of manufacturers or, and players in the industry. You know, there's, there's new products that are coming out all the time. And who's to say whether somebody else's wet line or shampoo or hair extensions or whatever is better than another? Some of that is subjective. Some of that is very specific. You know, uh, but ultimately, I think it comes down to how does the product perform long term? Because anybody can sell you something one time, um, the real sale begins after the sale. I, I always say. And what kind of support are you going to give? And it doesn't matter if it's a color line or a wet line or a great company like Paul Mitchell. What kind of support are you going to give the people that have the faith to step out in faith and partner with you? What kind of education support? You know, what kind of customer care? Uh, what type of you know, back-end support, social media support, and, and education being the most important thing. So I know we have a lot to discuss, but that's very near and dear. And I've always regarded us as an education company first and a manufacturing company second, which is why you get the experience that you get when you partner with the 3
0: Yeah. I, every time I interview people, Lance, I always look for that B message, that BE message. And what I'm seeing right now that this is going to be called be supportive of. Because that's the bottom line. That's the reason why we buy your services is because you support us so much. You add so much value, whereas most companies just sell you the product and then they go away. And you don't know the owner. You don't know the founders. You don't know the managing partners. You never meet them. And, and you don't have the type of service that you are providing. So I think this is going to be called Be Supportive. And we're going that's to talk good. about ways to oh. be supportive. So tell us the journey that got you to where you are now.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, it's been quite the journey. Uh, I can tell you this. I started off in real estate uh, and I quickly realized upon graduating real estate school that qualifying people for mortgages and pretending to like their children just wasn't for me. (laughs) <laughs> so, I had to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, in the larger like 3D events, um, I, I go into detail on, you know, my journey and my story. Um, but I'll, I will say that I, I auditioned to be part of a comedy troupe. And I got called back for the second and the third audition and there were less and less people and when I finally got to the third audition there were just a handful of people most of which I really got along with and had remembered so that was encouraging and uh, so I I got the green light and I remember driving home uh, rehearsing a very difficult conversation in the car with regard to how I was going to tell my mother that I was dropping out of college and, um, <laughs> be a and comedian. jokes for a living. And she didn't take kindly to it. And I think her strong opposition and response was where I really learned my first lesson about personal development. You know, for me, what I've come to realize, particularly in this past year, is clarity doesn't always come from thinking. Clarity comes from engaging. Clarity comes from doing. Clarity comes from actually walking.
0: It's interesting that you chose um, comedy, which I really believe that prepared you for what you do today, because you learned how to get up in front of people and to Mm -hmm. get a response from them, right? Yeah entertain them which you're so entertaining on stage I believe that completely prepared you so let's talk about that for a minute you know what caused you like what was that deep thing down inside that you're you know I've got to make people laugh where did that come from
1: well interestingly enough I don't think it's the answer that most people would think of I mean was I the class clown Growing up. Yes. Was I sent to the principal's office a lot? Yes. Did I make my favorite teachers laugh and become addicted to it? Yes. Did I talk myself out of a lot of fights, uh, with people who were much bigger and stronger than I was in school because, you know, I was just tricked to think of something. Yes, yes. And yes. But ultimately to answer your question, what really got me into comedy was really, um, just a way to deal with pain. You know, um, I had gone through, well, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I went through this really horrible breakup, and it was a long-term relationship, and I had a good friend that had just left town, and I felt really alone and lonely, and I just had a lot of pain and uh, wanted to find uh, just a healthy way to deal with it, and with And I think, you know what, it's interesting, we all go through difficult times, and when we're pressed, it either brings out the best in us, or it brings out the worst in us. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a spiritual component there. Uh, And said another way, when unexpected or unpleasant things happen, you have two choices. You can laugh about it, or you can cry about it. And so I decided to laugh about it, you know? And I don't think a lot has changed, because... No matter what the circumstance or situation, my phone was just ringing. Sorry. No matter what the circumstance or situation, when you're faced with it, and you know the amygdala is activated and your brain goes to fight or flight. The thing that most people want to do is to strike out, to bark, to get even. But you know, I love what um, there's a guy who who survived four concentration camps. Victor. Victor Frankel. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, teamwork makes a dream work. And what I love what he says there's there's this uh, between stimulus and response there's a space. So there's a space between stimulus and response, and we get to choose that space. And the space that I chose was the space to laugh. And again, fast forward. You know, I'm a business owner, a parent, you know, um, a, a contributor to the industry as as much as I possibly can. And when I'm faced with those those crosswords those cross at the crossroad at that why for me it's always this you can complain or you can contribute mm That's it. and you know usually laughing at the situation laughing at yourself mm. interestingly enough you um, usually presents better options with regard to how to respond to the, to an undesirable or negative situation rather than making someone wrong or making something wrong, you know, making something wrong isn't going to change the situation. It's just going to uh, give the situation power and make you a victim. So uh, I still regard myself as as an active creative. uh, And I think our greatest, superpower. I talk about this a lot because it's it's hard to get on any airplane or just blink without seeing superhero movies nowadays. I mean, we've run out of so many uh, superhero ideas that we're now starting to make money. Uh, now, now, now we're starting to make movies about supervillains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? We've done Batman to death. Now let's make a Joker series. Uh, but it always begs that conversation among friends and colleagues. Like, if you had a superpower, you know, what superpower would you choose? And I always joke. You know, some people want to fly. Some people want to time travel. There's always somebody creepy in the room that wants to be invisible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what I think people fail to realize is, as a human being, think about there's our superpower is the power of choice. You know, human being, there's not a dog being, cat being, giraffe being. It's human being. And I think, you know, the series is aptly named being because you choose how to be. And so for me, it always, your superpower always comes down to choice. And I don't think, you know, other species on the planet have that luxury. We have that luxury, you know. An ant can't at some point decide, hmm, you know what, I don't want to be an ant anymore. I want to be a scientific researcher. You know, anybody right now can decide, you know what, I wanna be a hairdresser. I wanna drop out of law school and be a hairdresser. You can choose that, Mm -hmm. but you can also choose to be kind. You can choose to be bitter, you can choose to be better. So everything for me, whether it's laughing or crying, and sometimes crying is good because I think God invented tears so our head wouldn't swell, (laughs) right? And there's a time to do it and there's a time to, to, to not do it, but all of these things are healthy. And, you know, my, my desire for people is, to, is not that they would learn more to laugh or more to cry, but they would develop healthy relationships with all of these key emotions. And that's, that's, the, the, to, because there's a big movement nowadays in the personal development world to chase happiness. And I think that it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's a lot of baloney, right? Because happiness, happy is when something happens. And, you know, if you attach your emotions, happiness, to something having to happen, that means if something happens and it can make you happy, when that thing doesn't happen, it can also make you unhappy. Mm -hmm. So happiness is never promised, and it's always external. Joy, however, is a choice. So I'm a big fan of really adopting the power of choice as a superpower. And joy is a choice. And I think in the personal development world, there's a very unhealthy movement towards chasing happiness when the key is you know there's names for people who are happy all the time yeah right there's also medication right (laughs) right and the idea to really experience the fullness of human life isn't just to be happy all the time right (laughs) To experience the fullness and the joy of human life, it's developing healthy relationships with unpleasant situations, developing healthy relationships with peer, uh, with peer, <laughs> with fear and pain, and joy and elation, and you know, being let down. All of those things are important because. It, those things develop you and, 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 force you to adopt skills. And sometimes the skills that you adopt happen to just be the, the a coping skill. Yeah.
0: Right. No, this is really powerful. And, and, you know, uh, I have a partner in the online mastermind and uh, she's a psychotherapist. And yesterday she was talking about big T, uh, little T, big trauma, little trauma. Yeah. And so it depends on the person, of, you know, how they choose to treat that trauma, as you were talking right. about. But um, losing a relationship usually falls under that big trauma. And right. so, you know, n- not being able to deal with that. And, and one of the people that are in our group uh, lost, um, lost his father that mm-hmm. passed away and that was a big T for him. And it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to grieve and to go through that process. And I think he just wants to be healthy like tomorrow, but he's got to go through that process, right? And yes. so I feel like you're saying that and and you know you made that choice. And here's what I'm hearing for to be supportive number one. Uh, you talked about you have to be the verb before you become the noun, which I absolutely love like that, just fall in love with the process and not the yes. end. event. And then number two, utilize your superpower of choice. And I love the fact that you decided right away to say, hey, I'm going to choose better and I'm going to contribute and I'm going to go out there and make people laugh because I'm good at this. I can make people laugh and you did and it set you up what I believe why you're in this position that you are now, Lance. And then I loved what you said too, because you said develop healthy relationships with fear, pain, joy, and being let down. And, you know, I I put that underneath, you know, develop um, emotional intelligence. We talk about that a lot, yeah. which is kind of big. Uh, talk about that, like your journey. Like what's that untold story of how, uh, because some people just stay like, no emotional intelligence their entire life, right? Yeah. And but you made the choice to say, No, I'm gonna work on this. Like, what's that? Like, where did you learn this from? It was a mentors? was it family? Did you see it?
1: Um, lots of experiences, lots of talks in the mirror, you know, lots Talk, of art talks in the mirror, you know, uh, lo- lots of great mentors, uh, great relationships, you know, great books, etc. Uh, and, and I'll go back to the first part and then address this, how, how I really chose to actually decide to go down the drain, as we call it in coaching, right? And and I'll, I'll share that with you. But if I were to rewind back to, to the, the idea of choosing joy or choosing laughter, you know, it's been said that art is the lie that reveals the truth, mm-hmm. right? And if you go back you know, in the king's court, the only people that ever told the truth were the jesters.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Everybody else was too afraid. And I think we now live in a space and time where telling the truth is so important. And particularly people who are trying to fit into this instant world, look, you know, you can't fit in and stand out at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right? You've got to choose. And so... (laughs) <laughs> the irony is, you know, growing up, like, my mom's French, Vietnamese, she's Asian, my dad's Italian, Irish, and, um, you know, in my family, people don't show a, a lot of emotions. There's like, there's like three gears. There's happy, <laughs> angry, don't talk to me, right? That's it. So really trying to find the nuances between all of those gears. And I grew up in an environment transparently. It's funny. I've never told this story before, but I'll I'll share this with you. Where I was told, you never talk about your problems at all. Mm -hmm. And especially ever share your problems with anybody who doesn't have the ability to help you solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Now, on one hand, I totally get that. You don't want to be this, you know. The person who always has this drama that you're bringing to the space, then you end up becoming that person, and that's not necessarily attractive. I get that. However, if you dogmatically look at this, you never talk about your problems, and you definitely don't talk about them with anybody who doesn't have the power to necessarily fix your problems. You're saying a lot of things, Uh, and ultimately, one of the things that you're saying is the only reason we ever talk about our problems is so other people can fix them. Well, (laughs) you're in a relationship, and so many people who have been in relationships know that sometimes when you're having issues, challenges, problems, you face difficult times, you want to talk to, to another person about it, not because you want your problem solved. In fact... You know, for the female audience who happens to be tuning in, the last thing you want is for one of us to solve your problems.
0: Exactly.
1: You want someone to listen. And within the listening, there's a great unbearing of the soul, and there's a great, you know, um, in coaching we call it witnessing. And so it took me a long time to understand those nuances. I mean, it's been said that the definition of tyranny is the deliberate removal of nuance and i i don't think there's one dogmatic you never talk about it with this you do talk about it with that i think developing emotional intelligence means that you're just really transparent about what you're feeling in the moment and you also have done the work to understand that what you're feeling might not be the truth yeah. Right. It might be a story that you are making up. That's why I'm a big fan. If anybody wants the most inexpensive education, first of all, I mean, just read a book. Shut down your Netflix, you know, uh, and I like to binge on Netflix occasionally, but there's nothing better than just reading a book because a book is a resource, is a tool, is, is a, a, you know, a door that you get to open that you never even knew exist right? A door that might open, um, uh, might be the opening out of a dark room that you no longer want to be in. But I would say the most inexpensive education is a landmark form. Uh, Landmark education is a great program. And I don't make any money off of this, but it's so inexpensive. And what people really get is sometimes there are things that happen, and then there's what you made up about it. So in other words you can leave a meeting and you know you just let a meeting and then somebody is you know huffing and rolling their eyes and you can instantly make that mean that they're not happy with something that you shared right right it's, it's not the fact there's no absolute information it's you're you're missing a lot of information but that's where our brain goes our brain just goes and makes up a story about it mm-hmm. and The funny thing is 90% of people actually don't confront that person in order to get clarity. They just make up a story that Sandra doesn't like me or doesn't like it when I share this and doesn't like what I have to share, and they forget that they make up the story. And fast forward, a month or two goes by or a week or two goes by, and they have another slightly unpleasant experience or witness something they don't like about Sandra, and now they don't realize that their mind is now collecting evidence to make that story right. Yes. Right? And it's that they run this racket when the reality is that you would stop and just be honest and go, wow, you know, what, what can I do about this situation? And if you're not familiar with the drama triangle, I'll share this with you. So the drama triangle at the very top of the triangle uh, is, is the victim. Well, actually, it works like this. The bottom of oh, the triangle, triangle. triangle yeah, yeah, And then you have the persecutor, and then you have the rescuer. Right, so the minute you make Sandra wrong, you become the victim. Right, she becomes the persecutor. Maybe you don't want to feel like talking about this to Sandra, so you go and you share it with Susie. You go, you know what? After that meeting, you know, Sandra was rolling her eyes and she was just huffing, and I, 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 don't, I don't think she likes me. Right, and now Susie tries to rescue the situation and goes, you know what? No, she's had a hard life. You know what? You have to understand this. And now she tries to make men's when the reality is if you flip the triangle instead of victim, you have creator, right? So victims at the bottom, instead of victim, you have creator. Instead of persecutor, you have coach. Instead of rescuer, right, you have challenger. Now, if you decide instead of being a victim, if you just go to Sandra, and not like point your finger in her face, but hey, listen, when we left that meeting, I noticed that you were rolling your eyes and you were huffing. And I made it mean that you were upset with me or didn't like what I had to share in the meeting, right? Am I off track or can you help clarify that? Wow, drama be gone, right? Because you actually took responsibility and you decided you were going to create something in order to you know, not have to live with that story that your brain made up you know your amygdala is a powerful thing because your brain your, your your brain doesn't care if you're happy or not you know there's been more studies on brain research in the past five years and the past 15 your, your brain is designed to prevent you from danger from being eaten by lions but the likelihood of a lion walking through any salon in north america or the world is very slim Yes, you no longer have that threat. So your brain makes up things to be upset about, such as the fact that Sandra rolled her eyes during a meeting and she hopped and puffed afterwards. Mm -hmm. And we can choose to adopt that story or we can choose to press pause and then go create a new one and at least get clarity before we come to some kind of conclusion, particularly without absolute information. Mm -hmm. So I know that was a lot. I just wanted to give examples with regard to, for me the importance of developing emotional intelligence meant, you know, richer relationships with people. And it also, ironically, sometimes means less relationships with larger crowds. Not to say that, I mean, I'm very comfortable, as you know, on stage and in front of lots of people. But what I mean, developing emotional intelligence means having the wisdom to know, you know what, that person's energy there's nothing wrong with that person but you know that person's energy is somewhat toxic for me so I'm going to choose and I believe that there's two types of people that you can surround yourself with you know naysayers or waysayers and I only choose one
0: oh, wow. so, I love it. choose waysayers yeah waysayers, um, yes. I want to unpack a little bit of this Lance because you hit on something really powerful because I think one of the biggest um, things that I hear because I coach salon owners as well too and I see it in my own companies is the drama that happens. <laughs> right? yeah. and, so, and I love it because I think that's another way to become a supportive person is to stay out of the drama triangle. But you said something really big because you said I made it mean. I'm, I'm studying rumble language right now. We're studying <laughs> I dare to lead right now at Brene Brown. And so I'm trying oh, wow. to train... My team of how to use good dialogue uh, to unpack instead of saying, you know, hey, you made me feel um, yeah. I made it mean. Um, that- Take responsibility. Take responsibility. I made it mean. Now, yeah. it mean. right now, if you're listening to this, because I mean, then you could save marriages. You could save all kinds of <laughs> relationships. I made it mean. That's so powerful.
1: Well, I think who we are in life is, you know, w- w- we can choose to be victims and being a victim doesn't n- always necessarily mean that you're the damsel in, the tr- in distress and you've been tied to the railroad tracks with, you know, the guy and the, the, the evil villain in the top hat standing over you waiting for Doug to do right to rescue you. Being a victim simply means that at any point you get upset because of something else and you blame something else and you made something else wrong or someone else wrong and you get your power away and listen let's be transparent that is our default setting
0: yeah our
1: default setting is something happens we don't like it and we make the other person or party or whatever it was that we saw activate that unpleasant experience we make it wrong however we often make it wrong without complete information we're often missing a lot of pieces i mean the person that swerves in front of you or the person who's driving extremely slow we're not always extending the benefit of the doubt and going you know what maybe he's driving slow because his grandmother's sick and he baked a lasagna and he's driving slow because he doesn't want it to fall over no, we don't extend but the, the benefit of the doubt. What we typically do in our default setting is we go, this guy is a moron. He's driving way too slow. What is wrong with him? Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's our default setting. And in and, and situations like that, you know, th- these things happen. And, I, and I'm not here to, to, to paint the picture that. You know, we're all in angels and saints of sort. But I'm, I'm here to say that we have a choice in that moment, just like Viktor Frankl said, that space between stimulus and response, and we get to choose the space. When we choose the space is when we activate our superpower. And in the choosing, the motivation behind it is I'm taking full responsibility that I might be hearing something wrong. I might be seeing something. I might be interpreting something that is not so. And I think the most important place to, to, to extend the benefit of the doubt is that with people who work with you, for you, and your family. Yeah. People who work with you and for you and your family. Maybe you're not going to do it to the guy uh, in front of you who cut you off or who's driving slow. Maybe you're not going to do that. But my gosh, if you really believe in enriching relationships, at least do it with the people with whom you work. Right, that work with you for you, and do it with the people that you love, your family and circle of friends. Extend the benefit of the doubt to them, yeah. and say to yourself, "Well, maybe I heard something wrong, or maybe they have a point. Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm being a jerk, right? Maybe they have a point. At least self-reflect and then get clarity before you come to a conclusion. You'll eventually come to a conclusion, right? I, I guess if anything, the hack." is to put a pause on the conclusion, investigate as much as you possibly can, Mm -hmm. holding anything as a possibility. And once you've gathered all of the information, then feel free to come to that conclusion.
0: Yeah, no, that's really powerful. And I think most of our default setting is immediately like something will happen. And I had to stop myself from doing this is something would happen in one of my companies and I would run right to my husband, tell him the story Get him all riled up. Now we created our own little drama triangle. And now yeah. it's like now we got a backpedal when I could have spent the time of just getting clarity from that person on my team. Yeah. And so I think that's that's one of the challenges you know that we'll see with people in our companies is they'll probably run right to their family or to another team member and you know explain to them what happened. They only get half the information. And you said um, instead of them being a rescuer, they need to jump in. To being a challenger and I keep talking to my team about stop being a people pleaser and start being a people challenger and so that's really resonating with them and so let's let's talk about that for a minute because that's something that I love about you Lance that you to be supportive you have to be a challenger how have you been able to step into that role to challenge people more and I know you've gone through the certified uh international trainer and certified dream coach. So talk through that process. What made you jump into that as well and become a really great coach too? Well, you know,
1: for me, and I think you witnessed this as well, uh, if you've ever read a book or heard somebody make a salient point in such a way that resonated with you and made you somewhat internalize the information and say gosh you know what that makes sense to me and i've always thought that i've just never had the language for it Mm -hmm. or that makes sense to me and i totally get that um but boy that that person has they've got a lot of tools in their toolbox right Right. Me, i always get i get super curious and um i saw so it, it along the journey and i think this is where it's important as a creative, to continue to create even when you're experiencing writer's block, even when you are looking at the screen or you're looking at whatever the, 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 the canvas is and nothing's coming to you, you know, how, why it's so important to keep going because some, something will come up. And for me, going through the journey, uh, I was starting to flatline, and I'm always looking for fresh information, right, you know, and I think all of us have that need and that desire to, to, to be inspired. You can have the greatest chocolate cake in the world, but there's a thing called hedonic adaptation. And if you have it every single day for seven weeks, it's going to taste like poo. Right. <laughs> so I think we're always looking for like a fresh spark. And I a you know, part of this conversation is like, you know, what's the fresh spark be the fresh spark. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, if you have a safety net, then you're never going to play full out. You're never going to go all in. And, you know, even when I used to hire tons of 20-year-olds, we had a rule. Never hire anybody who lives at home. Never hire anybody who doesn't have bills right Mm -hmm. and if they do have bills and they start making a lot of money with you get them into a bigger car get them into bigger bills because the bigger the responsibility Mm -hmm. you know the Uh, right yeah the bigger the responsibility the bigger the accountability etc so they're all completely related so for me I didn't have any safety net I you know I haven't lived at home since 17 and so it was all in I mean I went the majority of my entire adulthood, I was psychologically unemployable, meaning that I didn't make a single dollar that wasn't commission-related at all. Yeah. I didn't make a salary. I didn't make a weekly. N- none of that. Everything from comedy to my start in the salon industry to promotions, marketing, advertising, coaching, training, all of that, if there was a dollar that I made, it was because there was a difference that I made.
0: Yeah. That was it. Our ball.
1: Yeah, and it was for me. There was no backup plan. There was no 401k. There was no, you know, rich parents that are going to save me. Mm-hmm. Grandparents that are about to die and leave me an in inheritance. There was none of that. And not that there's anything wrong with that. If if you're at a place where you have family that is there for you and they have the means. To support you, that's great. However, you know, I think there's a certain pride that you you can't manufacture. Uh, it's and when I say pride, I, I mean it in the most positive way. There's a certain pride that comes with the ownership of being your own person that you absolutely cannot manufacture. And I believe that people who allow themselves the space to become their own person without any safety nets put themselves in, in the full immersion of life. Mm-hmm. And, and like one of my favorite quotes is by the poet Yeats, who says that you know, life is full of magic things patiently awaiting for our senses to sharpen. And so much of what education does, as you know, and personal development does, is it forces the full immersion of the sharpening of the senses, because there's what you know, what you don't know, what you don't know, you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And putting yourself in, in uncomfortable situations, you know, it's one of the reasons i love to travel so much. It's one of the reasons i love to go to so many different cultures. And because I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to recycle the same thing that I did, you know, for the past 164 days, Mm-hmm. right? It's a new day. I want to have a new experience. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, I'm gloat trotting every single day because the brain needs a certain amount of routine to be effective and needs a certain amount of novelty to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And, you, 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 and you need that, right? So I would say whoever you are, if you're 20, the best thing that you could do is to take expensive vacations. And it seems like the most reckless thing to do because I could tell you in generations prior to that they would say, "Save for a rainy day. You need, you know, a rainy day fun, You need," and all of that is really important. But you know, we are descendants of the most neurotic individuals, and it served us for quite some time. But sometimes we're just never present and in the moment. We're always living you know, and getting ready to get ready to get going to get started. And I've seen generations and generations before me that attached happiness to some long-term goal in the future, only to give up the best years of their life, Mm. you know, doing the same thing Mm -hmm. for 300 something days out of the year and becoming bored and bitter and discontent. And so my advice, if any, just comes from experience. If you're 20, if you're 30, If you're alive and you can follow mirror, take expensive vacations. And why? It's, It's the most ironically inexpensive education you can take. Go to a foreign country where you don't speak the language, immerse yourself, eat the local food, get uncomfortable. It is such an education because as much as you might learn about their culture, you'll learn so much more about who you are as a human being and you'll learn how small you are in this universe and how big you're yet to be. So that would be my advice. And I think it's just as simple nowadays. You don't need a travel agent. You can go to Google Flights. You can go online. And it's just about clicking the submit button. When you buy the ticket, that's the commitment. And It's the best thing you could possibly do best thing you could I love possibly. It. my
0: staff is listening to this and they're getting pumped up i can just tell right now which because oh, cool. their language and in fact we have uh, quite a few of us going next year 2020 to africa to build some homes south africa and uh, trust me when i tell you their life will be changed we had a few of them went to nepal a couple of years ago and trained women that were caught in sex trafficking and they're going again in 2021 and yes so- Create that type of environment that type of culture to create those types of trips because we know that it is going to expand their Mm -hmm. mind like you were saying and and so you hit on some great things lanson and and i want to jump in to another topic because it was something that you spoke about but before i do i want to kind of you know recap what you just said Uh, Because you you have a lot here. (laughs) How to become a supportive person. Basically, when I say be supportive, I mean a person that adds value like you. And that's why I believe that you are so successful. And the first one is be the verb before you become the noun. Uh, we already said number two is activate your superpower, the power of choice. Uh, develop healthy relationships, and I actually changed that to richer relationships with people. You mentioned yes. that by being transparent and being honest, uh, staying out of the drama triangle. Um, you mentioned earlier talk in the mirror, and I'm assuming it's affirmations and just saying, "Hey, you it's can do it," right?
1: It's For me, it's less affirmations and more just, are you being honest with yourself right now? How how have you contributed to this? How can you be a better contribution to the desired result that you want to experience? And at the end of the day, that conversation is always framed in the choice. You can complain or you can contribute. You can't do both to choose right now, right? And sometimes we need that opportunity to to, to, to let out some steam, but, you know, we have to be careful. Letting out steam is completely different than coming to conclusions about why you're letting out steam.
0: This was so impactful. Um, So something happens, you got a little drama going on, which we all do, right? Run into the bathroom, look in the mirror, and just say, how have I contributed to this? There's something about looking at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, it's funny, the other day, I Yeah, you might to- want
1: to check the stalls first, by the way.
0: Check the stalls, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a good, good idea, because people are going to be like, we're we running out, you know, like, a crazy woman yeah. is in, in the bathroom. No, that's good. I love this because the other day I, I went in the car and I turned off the radio and uh, just for one hour, just prayed out loud to God. Normally I'm just praying silently. And I thought, you don't have to do something different for an hour. And i yeah. just pray out loud. It was awkward at first, then I got used to it. But by the time I got there an hour later, I just felt this complete sense of peace that I felt like I just like, got rid of all the baggage that was holding me down, you know, that monkey on my back, and it it was really powerful, so talk to yourself, (laughs) talk in the mirror, and then um, I love that you said you can't fit in and stand out at the same time, and I believe, you know, just being that uncommon person. And I believe that's going to help you to become supportive. You said read books, like be super curious, looking for fresh information all the time. I just spoke to one of my team members in her one-on-one and she's like, yeah, I'm listening to all these podcasts and reading books. And, but I w- wasn't hearing what she was learning from it. So I said, Hey, why don't you do us ACT? Have you ever heard of it? So what do you want to take action on? What do you want to change? What do you want to teach? And why don't you just send me some things so that you have accountability to it and I can hear and I can support you. I can be supportive, right? And she's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I think I'll apply that in the future. And then of course, um, I really love what you just said last. You said fully immerse yourself, get rid of those safety nets. And so let's flip the coin here. And you said something, which I thought was really awesome, but you didn't dig into that real deep. And you said there's three reasons why salons fail. And you talked about the CBAs of business. So the lack right. of clarity, lack of belief, the lack of action. Can you expand on that? Cause I think this fits the industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and I'll say, yeah, the speed of the leader definitely determines the pace of the pack. And so, uh, and I'll share. This. I'll, I'll, I'll try and and weave in something I wanted to share with regard to South Africa, which is where you're going, and weave it into maybe a lesson that helps to answer this question. Is that right? Yes, that's And perfect. maybe fall into the theme of be supportive. Uh, my my first speaking gig in South Africa was in Cape Town 2014, and we were running late to try and find the uh, the event space where everything was happening. And it was in the morning, and so we raced up, and there was a guard there. And we rolled down the window, and the guard pleasantly, with big white teeth, says, good morning, and we said, hi, where is the such-and-such room? We're looking for this, that, and the other thing. And he patiently just blinked his eyes and nodded. He goes, how are you today? And we're like, (sighs) And all of a sudden, it was the shame of, of, and I think his response was a reminder Mm -hmm. of how important it is to treat people as humans, like not just, you know, like we're need and want machines, and there's a resource. So we go up and we go, where's gate 6F? And so, you know, the little things like, good morning, can I ask you? And so that was such a powerful reminder. Listen, there's something we need from this person. We have to remember he is a person. Mm -hmm. About rolling up the window, it doesn't take that long to say good morning, you know, ask about his day, and then say, you know what, we're, we're lost and we're looking for this. Can you assist us? And they're much more likely to want to help us and be much more inspired than required, you know? So, um, and I think as leaders, we, we, we quite often don't stop and consider the needs of the people who work with us and or for us, you know, that our organization has needs, our organizations have wants, we have OKRs. Uh, and, if, and if anyone does not know what OKRs are, they're objectives and key results. I find that when everybody understands the objectives and key results, the, the micromanaging uh, tends to disappear because everybody understands it at a, at a higher level. But your organization has needs, wants, OKRs, goals, objectives, and that's great. And then you have people within the organization who are going to do the heavy lifting and help help you meet those goals. Okay it's really important to consider they are people you know Mm -hmm. hey good morning hey jen how's clark how you feeling i know you're feeling bad you know there's a guy ray who works for us this morning hey ray this morning first thing is hey ray are you doing any better uh not too well but you know i have this project that i need to get in (laughs) okay listen uh get it done but whatever you do if you're still feeling this bad go home because you're valuable to us, but you're not valuable when you get everybody else sick, right? It doesn't, you don't have to be a genius. You know, you just have to give a crap about people at at the end of the day. So for me, it's less about who's on your staff and more like who are the influencers. And you don't have to be the owner of the company. Um, You know, you don't even have to be the manager to be an influencer within your organization. When I mean influencer, I don't mean the vacuous you know, term that it's become to be that kind of gives me the creeps uh, nowadays. Like, you know, to in, to, to, to be an Instagram influencer. I mean to actually be the verb, to influence people. You just have to really care about their well being and everybody else's well being. And I'll say one more thing with regard to, you know, who's on your staff. I believe if you have staff, you have staff infection. Yeah. I, I don't believe in having a staff. I believe you have a team. And the difference is this. Um, you know, a team, employees show up for the money. A team show up shows up for the mission. Do you have people in your organization who are playing for the mission or who are showing up for the money? Because the interesting thing is if they understand the mission and they're playing to fulfill the mission, the money will happen and it will happen for you and it will happen for them because we help ourselves by helping other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, if your team is showing up for the paycheck and they are showing up for the money, something is definitely missing. Mm-hmm. And maybe they are missing the vision as it pertains to clarity. Let's go to that. Yeah. right? And within that clarity, where they fit into it, because here's where clarity is. You know, coaching is 100% billion-dollar organization, and you can sum it up by asking a couple questions. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And by way, Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And by way, Ask anybody anything. It could be about fitness. It could be about mental health, physical health, weight loss. It could be financial. It could be on your service sales, your retail sales, piece per client, pre-booking. doesn't matter. You name it. Fill in the blank. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And by when, that's called clarity, right? Here's what I weigh now, here's what I want to weigh, and here's by when. Okay, cool, clarity. And so as a leader, it's important to get clarity and get a pulse on your team. How are they? Do they understand the mission? Do they understand where they fit into the vision? Because if they don't understand where they fit into the vision and they don't understand the mission, how are they going to support it? And of course they're only showing up for the money until something better Happens, right so as a leader you need clarity and all of all the people on your team need clarity do they understand the target and what part they're playing in order to hit the big target so within the big target they, they have their individual targets so that's clarity and then the next thing is really belief you know if you're up to big things you're probably doing things that scare you yeah i mean you we we have four initiatives on the books right now And they're huge, and they're all incredibly scary, and they're incredibly ambitious. And I think if your vision doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. Mm -hmm. However, that's where your belief comes in. Because your belief system, and I do consider it a system, because it's either a limited belief, which is held by constraints, and if-tos, and in-order-tos, and when this happens, or it's unlimited meaning there's no constraints whatsoever. And the greatest example I can think of is, you know, Martin Luther King, right? He says, I have a dream, right? But he didn't say, well, I have a dream, but I have to lose 10 pounds. And in order to fulfill it, you know – junior has to graduate college and you know it's not really a good time for a revolution in the country right now like there were no constraints around it right and truth be told from what i read he wasn't really you know, the, the time wasn't really right for him and he, he was a little like gosh i don't know if this is the right time but in the face of that you have to believe in the mission you have to believe in the vision and it might scare you a little bit and then most importantly and i think this is what You know, the the civil rights movement wouldn't be what it was without the most important piece, and that's action. You know, action in the face of potential failure, action in the face of potential ridicule, action in the face of potential criticism. You know, there are some people out there who are visionaries who are great artists, and they should be putting their stuff out, but they're not putting it out because... Why? Because they might have to read those YouTube comments and God forbid Mm -hmm. they read a YouTube comment and somebody says that they have a bad voice or they're too fat in that dress or, you know, their haircutting technique sucks. And the thing is, if, if you are going to filter your life through the opinions of other people, you are always going to live a substandard life. And the reality is you weren't born to fake perfection. You were born to learn from your experiences and in spite of, and because of march through and take action in spite of and because of, and I can share this with you. And this is, this is the thing that still resonates with me to this day. It was 10 years ago and I happened to be renewing my passport and I, uh, it was a hot summer day and uh, I live in San Diego now, but I happened to be in Dallas, Texas. And if God forbid you've ever been in Dallas, Texas, in the middle of July. You know how hot it can be. So I went to the post office. There happens to be a line running outside the passport office to get in. And as I get into the queue, I look over to the right, and there's a gentleman in a full body cast. I mean, he was like, had his arm out like this and had his arm around the bench like this. I don't know if you can see me. And He's in a full body cast from here, from here all the way down with only one arm out. Wow. And I look at him and I'm kind of, I'm in that space like, geez, this is miserable. Gosh, you know, creating the drama, like the drama triangle full on, like government offices. I have an appointment. I'm still going to wait for an hour. Right. I'm like, I haven't voiced it, but that movie is playing in my head. Mm -hmm. Right. And I look over, and the pattern interrupts to seeing this gentleman, and I remember looking at him, and I went, wow, how are you doing? Right? And usually when people ask that, they ask that because they're nervous. Like you get into the elevator, and you ask somebody, how are you doing? Like that's inauthentic. Right. But in this case, I l- literally was feeling sorry for myself. I look over at him and realize he's in really bad shape. And so automatically, without even thinking, I ask, wow how are you doing and without hesitation he says and he kind of looked down and he says blessed i looked down, like wow. shocked right and he seeing my reaction says and he kind of takes this one free hand and he says in spite of and because of and i, I was wow that blew me away. And in that moment, I felt like so small, insignificant, and so ashamed of the story that had been running in my head, right? And so within this clarity, belief, and, and, and action, taking action isn't always comfortable.
0: Hmm. It's
1: not always pleasant. And we sometimes have to believe in spite of and because of and still find that space to be grateful for where we are along the journey you know anything worth doing is worth suffering for and in this in this day and age where people just want to do something amazing and then put it on social media and hope they get you know a hundred thousand followers it's unrealistic and i think that's where uh, and I'm the king of setting unrealistic expectations, but I mean unrealistic in that, or I should rather say unhealthy. Because you, you have to be willing to suffer for your art. Right? Anybody who writes a screenplay is going to write a really crappy screenplay. Your first draft is not going to be your best draft. It never is. Your first song is not going to be your best song. Your first haircut's not your best haircut. Your first fill in the blank, do anything that is worth doing is going to be your best. And What I'd encourage people to do is you're going to have to, in order to succeed in this industry, Mm -hmm. this industry specifically, and in order to succeed in this world, you're going to have to commit the things and suck at it long enough in order to get good at it. And, you know, uh, so I run a train-the-trainer program twice a year with Easy Hair Pro. And we get hundreds of applicants that have come in. Some of your people have come to San Diego for train-the-trainer. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, they see an educator on stage and, like, I want to do that. I want to change lives. Mm-hmm. I've actually talked to people who are, like, I, I just I want to motivate people. I want to I be known for being an, an amazing educator. And I always have to have this conversation with young people and I go, okay, you want to be known for being an, an amazing educator. You have to have substance. That means you have to adopt skill, which means that skill has to be marketable. You have to have some, something that you bring to the table that, that brings value to the conversation, which means that you're gonna to have to suffer for your art. Yeah. And we'll show you how to get up on stage and speak and talk. We will show you how to present, how to control a room, how to use props, how to handle hecklers, naysayers, you know, we'll we'll show you all the techniques, but ultimately, you know, magic isn't full of techniques. Magic happens through experiences, which means you have got to be willing to put your butt up there and do it enough times and realize that you're not going to be the best you possibly can be the first hundred times, maybe the first thousand times. But if you want it bad enough, the question is, are you willing to do it and suck in spite of and because of the fact that you want it enough? If not, then find something different.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I think that's one of the steps to be supportive. You have to be willing to suffer because you're not going to be able to support or add value to people unless you've suffered yourself. And so let's, let's unlock that just for a second. Yeah. Because you told a really great story about Netflix and Blockbuster on stage. And then I got to hear Mark Randolph speak on a podcast recently. And he was the first company, the company's first CEO. And talk about suffering... They were $50 million in debt when they went to Blockbuster and asked them to partner with them. And he it's a really funny story, actually. And, of course, these guys, they were worth billions at the time, Blockbuster. Yeah. And they sent them home packing, these guys. Yeah.
1: They, were, they were worth $6 billion. And, and $6 Netflix, billion. they were bleeding, right? Right.
0: And Netflix was bleeding, and Netflix walks out the door with her head hanging low, and they're like, we're not giving up. Like, our mission's too big. Like, we've got to stick to this. And he did, and he was willing to suffer, and looking around, they took over.
1: They're worth over $50 billion, and they're doing they doing—they're—they're doing things that have never been done. They were trailblazers, you know, and I think that's the idea of, like, built to last means built to change, and if you're in this industry and you're not changing and you're not adopting and adapting new skills and you're not pivoting, you're not changing, which means that you're being left behind. There's a reason we don't have dinosaurs any longer, right? So, I mean, I, it's, I think it, it's critical to – to be a learner in this industry more than almost any other, right? And like what you learned in school isn't going to get you, you know, through the next decade. And I've always said, you know, you've earned your present, you have to qualify for the future. And the qualifier is, you know, looking at how you spend that time. And, you know, the biggest excuse that I hear is I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And And I know everyone uses that same old cliche. You know, you have 86,400 seconds in a day. Everybody has the same 24 hours, you know. But recently I started looking at this and I'm just doing some quick math because the idea of of you have 168 hours in a week, right? You have 168 hours. If you work 40 hours and, you know, I'll I'll put in 60 hours just because I love what I do. Um, But let's say you work 50 hours, Mm -hmm. right? You still have 118 hours left. And if you sleep eight hours a day, God bless you, because I don't, um, you still have 62 hours left. That's 62 hours in a week to learn any skill that you want to learn. That's 62 hours to work on your dream, your side hustle, to do an abundant amount of things. I know it seems like you don't have any time, but ask yourself this, you know, how much time are you spending, you know, watching Netflix? How much time are you spending socializing? Those are fine. If you want to do those things, it's fine. Just don't complain that you don't have time. You do have time. Like literally, what are you doing with those 62 hours? What if you spent, you know, two hours a day just working on your dream? I I used to wonder, like, you know, how does you, you hear this you know, and I used to think it's like one of those fables. You just hear it, and you like, yeah, right, okay, whatever. Like, Bill Gates reads a book a week. I'm going, how does he read a book a week? Like, he's the CEO of Microsoft. Literally, how does he read a book a week? And then in my journey, I started meeting more and more people who are actually literally reading a book a week. Mm-hmm. How are you doing this? And then I got so curious. So, okay, well, here... You know, and it's been said behind everything that is magic is a method. Right? Behind the magic is a method. Start looking at the method. I'm like, okay, great. If I read 20 minutes in the morning, I read 20 minutes at night, right? And I listen to the audiobook version in the car, and I read on plane while I travel a lot. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna read at least two to three chapters, right, every two days. Two to three chapters religiously. Most books have eight to 10 chapters. So by the end of the week, I read a book. Guess what? Last year, I read a book a week. And I'm not saying that to wow. pat myself on the back. I'm saying that because I used to look and hear, I look at people like Bill Gates, and I used to hear these stories about how people do these things. and wonder, how's that possible? Listen, everybody, the average person, has anywhere between 62 to 82 hours of spare time that you're not sleeping, that you're not working, what are you doing with that time? It's a choice.
0: It's a choice. That's our yep. superpower.
1: That's, that's your superpower.
0: That's incredible. And you know what? This has been such a great, I could go on for days. And I know, I want to thank you so much for giving your time to this as well. Right. Too. Something I want to hit on Before we get off and then I'll let you give your last piece of advice because when you were talking about suffering, being willing to suffer, one of the things I keep hearing over and over uh, by my team or different people is, I feel so overwhelmed. (laughs) And I'm like, embrace the overwhelm. That's good. You're in a good spot. Uh, What advice do you give to that person that says, I'm just overwhelmed? What advice?
1: (laughs) Well, a It's better than being underwhelmed.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I, I've been to a few networking events where I was underwhelmed. Much rather be overwhelmed. Yes. Uh, the other thing, though, as far as the coping, I, I think there's, there's uh, coping and then there's strategy. The importance of understanding breath work, understanding meditation, understanding that mm-hmm. meditation is something that yogis do. Meditation isn't necessarily related to a particular religion, right? Mm -hmm. The importance of understanding how to control your mind in order to control your physiology, your body, is huge. And so breath work. You know, simply taking six deep breaths in. Deep breath in through your nostrils, right? Filling up your case, filling up your your stomach, and then out through your mouth like a straw. Taking six deep cleansing breaths can absolutely shift your state. You have, you have three major states. There's more, but you have three major states. You have your physical, your your, your emotional, your mental, and your physical, your EMP. Emotional, mental, and physical. And they're all connected. And when you change one state, you change another. So overwhelm is an emotional and mental state. However, when you physically, when you physiologically change your state physically, you also change your emotional state. And the interesting thing is they've shown, scientists, scientific studies have shown that understanding breathwork and doing meditation can actually lower your cortisol levels. Like taking ice-cold showers for two minutes a day can lower your cortisol levels, right? Can increase testosterone. And even women need more testosterone for, you know, uh, for muscle development, etc. and so on. You know, these things are really important. And I'm, I'm really talking like coping, but s- strategically, once you've – I don't do anything. If I'm overwhelmed, I don't do anything until I've taken s- six – Not three, not seven, not four, but six cleansing breaths. In through the nose, out through the mouth, deep, deep breaths. Once I've done that, then you just gotta do a a check-in. Am I safe? Right, am I fed? Are all Mm -hmm. my things handled and taken care of? Okay, great. What are the critical things that I must do within the next 90 minutes? What is either urgent or important? I'm gonna go with urgent first, then I'm gonna go with important. And if it's neither one of those things, it can wait till tomorrow. At some point, it will become important and it will become urgent. But right now in the next 90 minutes, and I can honestly tell you, I, I, I am creative in 90 to 120 minute increments. And then after that, you gotta take a, a breath. That's why I have a treadmill desk over here. You know, I keep- you
0: have a treadmill here. desk.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll show you the, the treadmill desk. He's not on
0: desk. right now, but he's showing me a picture.
1: That's it's, outstanding. I need to get me one of those. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the treadmill desk. You can see that there's, there's Bruce on here. Yes. I there's love Bruce. it. And, um, oh, there we go. Yeah. So, and then, you know, and um, so I keep that. And I keep a kettlebell here. I keep a guitar here. And, you know, I take my dog to work, and I, and I take a walk. And not everybody can necessarily do all those things. But here, you, you don't need to be perfect. What's better than perfect is progress. You yeah. can take these little bits and pieces, and when you get stressed and you get overwhelmed, you can take six deep breaths. You can focus on what's urgent and important and again get to everything yeah. else later, right? You can also start looking at, you know, Einstein says the things that you look at begin to change mm-hmm. you know, uh, when you change the way you look at things. So you can start looking at your week in different ways. Instead of just looking at your week in eight-hour increments or 24-hour increments, you can start looking at it in 168-hour increments,
0: yeah. right?
1: And so looking at Wednesdays, the middle of the week, technically, you know, Thursday afternoon is the middle of the week. If you mathematically look at that, wow, that changes a lot of things, right?
0: Yeah,
1: right. Right? So, I mean, so for, for me, uh, and it sounds cliche, if there's a will, there's a way, but ultimately, I think what creative people do is if you can't find the way, you create a way. And... When everything that we've discussed with regard to most everything, like including the overwhelm, is just flipping the triangle upside down and going, I'm not going to be a victim. If I'm not going to be a victim, that means I now have to create how I'm going to respond because I'm responsible right? And I'm not giving my power away. I'm not giving my power away to the situation. I'm not giving my power away to the weather. I'm not giving my power away to the fact that the flight was delayed or canceled. Okay, if I'm going to be upset, I'm going to be upset for 60 seconds. And then after that, I'm going to actually determine how I'm going to respond to the scenario and situation and live a life that gives back to me. Okay.
0: Yeah, get in front of the mirror. I'm not going to give my power away right now and breathe. No,
1: (laughs) <laughs> Who are you going to be? Are you going to be a person you're proud of? Because believe me, there's been plenty of times where, you know, I didn't use those tools. There's been plenty of times where I decided to, to, to you know, I overreacted. This is what we do, right. Where I didn't choose my superpower. I didn't choose any power. I didn't choose that space and I let the, the situation control me and Fast forward, I look at myself in the mirror, I'm not proud of the person who I was. And I think we've all had those situations. And there's no shame in that. It's just really being honest with yourself and saying, right, did I have a choice in the moment? And if I were to do it all over again, what would I do? Okay, great. So now I can go off and be a better person. If I repeat it, I didn't learn a lesson, right?
0: Oh, that's outstanding. I love it. Well, Lance, I mean, this has just been incredible and I can't thank you enough. What last piece of advice do you want to give everyone to be supportive or any advice that you want to give?
1: You know, you get to a stage where, um, you get to a stage where at some point you realize there's a lot more yesterdays than there are tomorrow's yeah. and the, when you get there, what I would what I would invite everybody to do is consider, you know, what do you want your next set of tomorrows to be? Or what do you want your next set of tomorrows to look like? Right now, there's a, there's a fund in Silicon Valley, and there's billions of dollars being invested into extending life as we know it. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to live forever. This is just your physical body. This is it, you know? It's not your spiritual body. But life as we know it is is somewhat limited and it's finite, you know? And there's been so much research put into extending life. And for me, it's almost like as great as that is. For me, it's it's like when I drive down the roads here in California, we have some of our highways that are like six, seven, eight-lane highways. It's ridiculous. And they want to – there's a part – uh, in San Diego where there's expanding and it's, it's my very exit uh, if I don't take the coast. Which means if I don't take the coast, I'm late. But, but my point is this, what I realize is it doesn't matter how many lanes they put on the highway. If people still continue to drive the way they drive, right? Slow in the left-hand lane, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> then people are still going to have the same experience, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's hundreds of billion dollars being invested into biohacking and looking at how we can extend life when we know so many different things that we can do, you know, don't eat sugars, take cold showers, et cetera, and so on. But even if they hit the mother load and it's like, okay, boom, here's all you have to do to extend your life X amount, what are you going to do to make that life worth living and and valuable? You know, there's a a line at the end, end of the film uh, a flight from death, a quest for immortality, and the, 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 the movie ends on this line um, everything has been figured out mm-hmm. except how to live. So perhaps the question is not what do we do about death, what do we do about life? Life is made up of these individual moments. And it's up to us to make sure that these moments are interconnected vital and grand to create a masterpiece of life, one that we would willingly live again and again throughout all of eternity. Mm. This is what we can strive for. Now you hear a line like that and you're really blown away by the poetry of it and more so the chasm of where we are versus that 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 visual picture. But the punctuation is something I believe a lot of people miss. It's the last part of it. This is what we can strive for. See, it's in the striving where we understand the value of disappointment and despair and loneliness. It's, it's in the striving where we become better and not bitter. It's in the striving that we bring value to other com- conversations. And it's in the striving that we're able, able to comfort a friend a loved one co-worker that we're able to grieve with people because we've been there this is the full human experience that's what i want for everybody wow that's really
0: powerful lance i love it how can people find you
1: you can find me uh at lance courtney on instagram uh i don't do the facebook's a lot uh but if you are there you just have to wait for me to respond because i really am on facebook but Answer fam, at Lance Courtney. You can also find me, www.easyhairpro.com. It's easy with an I, -I -I E-A-S-I-H-A-I-R-P-R-O.com. Shoot me a a line if if you want to continue this dialogue, et cetera, and so on. I'm always posting things in my stories and feed, et cetera, and so on. So I'm pretty active that way. I love it,
0: thanks, Lance. It's L-A-N-C-E Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.